Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing. We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love. This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable, bring your trauma and your drama, and let's start healing. Welcome Welcome to to Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Therapy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Today we're going to be talking about effective apologies. But before we do that, if you haven't already joined our Facebook group, we would love for you to hop on over to our Facebook group and join us there. And you can ask questions. You could give us podcast ideas and really be a part of a community that can share the burden that you're experiencing. So we started a mini series on apologies. And in the last episode, we talked about what makes an apology bad or not helpful or ineffective. And today we're going to talk about the other side of that, how you can have an apology that really does help repair that relationship. And I think not only does it repair the relationship, but it actually can enhance the relationship. One thing also to be aware of about apologies is that if we do them correctly and then we follow through with the apology, is that it actually can enhance and strengthen the relationship. So here are 10 things that are important to keep in mind if you're trying to do an apology correctly. The first one that I think is very obvious is we need to acknowledge the wrongdoing. What did you do that hurt or offended somebody? Going back to what we said in the previous episode, that acknowledgement of the wrongdoing may not be necessarily I did something objectively wrong, but maybe I didn't communicate very effectively and that that was easily misinterpreted. I'm very sorry that I did this incorrect thing. And then specifically labeling out what that wrongdoing is. And this is regardless of what your intentions were. A couple of episodes ago, Tim had talked about how he had made a joke And he didn't have any bad intentions with it. But as soon as he said it, he kind of felt not great about it. And then later on, he came back and he said, hey, I'm sorry that, you know, I said this. I realized immediately that wasn't okay to say. And I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. And although his intentions were just to be playful and have fun, that doesn't excuse or take away from any hurt that could have happened. And in that situation, I wasn't hurt. But I was thankful that he was aware of it. And I think in this situation, I thought that the probability of me hurting her was relatively high. So even though she wasn't hurt, going through the action of making sure there wasn't any unstated harm was worth the effort. Now, I do want to point out one thing that you said there, Ruth. You said, if I hurt your feelings. Now, in that situation, that's a fair statement to say if you really don't know if you've hurt somebody's feelings. But if you know for sure somebody's feelings are hurt, and you use the statement, if I hurt your feelings, that generally won't go well with the other person. Now, if I remember correctly, what I had said when I was apologizing to you, I said, I'm sorry that I said that, 
that was messed up. Even though my intent wasn't to be messed up towards her, just the phrasing and the way I said it, I was like, I don't think that there's too many people that would interpret that in not a messed up way. And so even though I didn't know if she was hurt by that or not, I was saying that the thing that I said was wrong. And it didn't really matter if she was hurt or not. I was taking accountability for the thing that I said that was not helpful or not appropriate. Right, because sometimes using if I hurt your feelings could be dismissive if it's said in a way that's like, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Because really you're dismissing the fact that their feelings were hurt. So if you're unsure and you say it genuinely like, hey, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, and you take responsibility for it and say what you've done wrong, then that can be okay. But if you're kind of doing it just in a dismissive way, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, then that doesn't show that you're really taking responsibility or acknowledging what was wrong. So the first one was acknowledgement of the wrongdoing. The second one is sincerity. And that's kind of what we were just talking about, but the apology must be genuine. And that sincerity, a lot of times is conveyed through our tone of voice, our body language, and the words that we choose. So making sure that you are careful as you're apologizing. And so going back to the apology I used with you, Ruth, when I said that was messed up, I was trying to emphasize with those words the sincerity of which I was trying to apologize. I wasn't trying to distance from it. I wasn't trying to minimize that. I was leaning into it. I think the other thing people oftentimes make a mistake of when they're apologizing is that they're worried that they are going to then open the floodgates of criticism and to be attacked when they apologize. So then they try to distance or minimize it. But I always tell people when you're apologizing, it's actually better to lean into the bad and the wrong because then the other person will then feel much more likely that you do get it and that it is fair. Now, I'm not saying lean into it and be dramatic about it, but leaning into it more and emphasizing more the negativity of it. Because a part of the deal is when you're apologizing, a lot of times we don't necessarily feel super bad when we're apologizing because we weren't hurt by the offense. So then when we're talking to somebody else about it, because it doesn't feel so bad to us, we're going to have that natural tendency to minimize it. But then if you're trying to take the other person's feelings into account, and then you lean into it a little bit more, and then you emphasize the bad nature of it a little bit more than what you feel like actually is the problem, then that also helps the other person to feel like, okay, they really do get it. And then it helps that apology to go a little bit further. And so that helps to fit into that sincerity piece of it. Yeah, because I think what happens a lot is that you'll apologize and then if there's any pushback or even a little bit of them saying, yeah, that wasn't okay, then it's easy to then back up and begin to justify or get defensive. Versus I think it's a very easy response to say, well, yeah, that wasn't okay to just say, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. And then that's all the response you need in order to help kind of continue and complete that apology. But if you give that resistance, now all of a sudden your apology is likely to start turning into a conflict. So the next thing we want to talk about is showing that you understand the impact. So when you're doing an appropriate apology, you're going to try to show the other person that you understand the effect of your actions. I'm so sorry that hurt your feelings, or I'm so sorry that that put you out when I didn't follow through with it. I'm so sorry that what I did broke your trust. So when you're trying to show them the impact, you're again, you're not just trying to show them that you understand that there could be an impact but you're trying to express to them, I understand and I see how this impacted you and I see how this specifically negatively affected you. When you're able to show that, again, that helps the other person to accept that apology because if you're apologizing for something but you have zero idea of the impact, then it's not exactly going to make the other person feel 
safe or secure because you're just apologizing about a random unknown thing that then you cannot correct. And number four is expression of regret and remorse. And really, a lot of these kind of slide together. So you're not going to say, okay, I'm going to do number one, then number two, then number three, and then number four. But understanding the impact really goes into this expression of regret and remorse because you're trying to convey the regret for the harm caused and show that empathy for the feelings of the other person. And so kind of like what Tim said, as you understand that impact, then you want to express that to them and say, hey, I know that this really hurt you. Rather than just understanding, okay, that was wrong, but I understand how this impacted you and you're expressing that remorse that I'm sorry that I hurt you and I wish that I didn't say something that was so careless. The next one is no excuses or defensiveness. And when we're talking about making an apology, there might be an explanation that might help your partner to understand what's happening. But I can tell you that there's a very fine line between giving an explanation or being defensive or giving excuses for your behavior. And generally that fine line falls between is if you validate the other person's feelings first or not before you jump into giving the explanation. So if you say, I'm so sorry that I did this, but right, generally that but is going to be viewed as being defensive or giving an excuse. If you start off and you say, I'm so sorry I did this, and I can totally see how that would hurt your feelings or how that puts you in a bad position, and then you leave it at that, and then you come back and you say, would it be okay if I gave you an explanation as to why that happened or to what my thought process was behind it? Once you ask that permission, and then if the person gives you that permission, a lot of times they're going to be much more receptive of whatever you then say next. But if you don't validate them first by letting them know, like, I'm sorry that this hurts you or put you out, and then ask them that permission, they're going to view it as that defensiveness, and then it's going to feel like that entire apology gets thrown out and isn't important. Don't get me wrong, context a lot of times does matter. And so a lot of times, giving them an explanation can shift how they feel about the situation. But it almost never is going to have the positive intended effect if you haven't validated that person's feelings first before you jump into the explanation. Number six is to offer to make amends. And this isn't always possible, but when it is possible, look for ways that you can rectify the situation or to make amends. And really what this does is it shows a commitment to right the wrong. And when we do this with our kids, you know, they'll apologize. They'll make a statement or commitment that, you know, I'm not going to do that in the future. or I'm going to work on whatever the situation is. But a lot of times we also encourage them to, you know, correct whatever situation that they can. So say it's as simple as knocking down someone's block tower, then offering to help build it up again. Or if they broke something, then offering to replace it. Or sometimes it's just asking, is there anything I can do to help? Or is there anything I can do to make this right? And this isn't always possible, but when you do offer it, it does show that commitment that you want to make things right. Number seven is asking for forgiveness. Now, one of the things about this is this can be a little bit dicey in how you go about it, but this is the next stage of an apology, which is you apologize for a wrongdoing, and then you seek forgiveness for your action. I think if you do it the right way, this can be really helpful towards moving past the original offense, but if we do it incorrectly, this also can be something where things can go awry very easily. I think apologizing for your actions, trying to make amends, that kind of a thing, that's very good and doesn't have a lot of 
potential problems associated with it. So sometimes you may just leave it at that point where you then don't even ask for forgiveness. But if you ask for forgiveness in an appropriate way, I think, again, it can be helpful, but you just have to be very careful. So just saying, I'm so sorry for that. Will you please forgive me? One of the things that I think a lot of people will interpret that as is almost like I have to give you an answer now. And if they feel pressured about that, that's, again, going to create unpleasant feelings for them, which is going against what you're trying to do with the apology in the first place. But if you say something along the lines of, listen, I know I hurt you, and I hope you could forgive me for that. I'm not expecting you to answer that now, but I hope you can forgive me for that offense. Then it gives them the automatic permission right away, like, hey, you don't have to give me this answer. But also knowing that if you're coming from this kind of contrite place where you're asking them for forgiveness can also help them to feel like, okay, they really do understand the gravity of the situation. They're not just apologizing, but this is something that they also know that they need forgiveness for, but they're not demanding it from me. They're giving me an out to be able to say, well, not right now, or I need to calm down, or I'll think about it. Yeah, and I think what this does, it really shows that their response and their forgiveness is important to you, and that you want to repair this relationship and really work on healing it. I know a lot of times people will demand that forgiveness or expect that immediate response and that forgiveness. And that goes back to what we talked about in the last episode about what makes an apology not great. When somebody apologizes, you know, and they expect or they demand this forgiveness and the other person doesn't give it to them and they kind of use it as a get out of jail free card and they're like, but I already apologized, right? And that does not show that genuine apology. And so like Tim said, saying something more like, hey, I'm so sorry that I hurt you. I shouldn't have yelled. When you're ready, it would mean a lot if you would be willing to forgive me. And so it gives them their space to, like we talked about in the last episode, that microwave versus crockpot. Sometimes people need to take time to cool down after a disagreement. And you're giving them that time and space that they may need. Number eight is a commitment to change. Now, if we've done something wrong and we have hurt somebody, we've gone through the action of apologizing and seeking forgiveness. But also, I think something that makes it easy for somebody to forgive you for your wrongdoing is letting them know that you're going to be taking steps in order to protect them from that same hurt again in the future. So this commitment to change is, what am I going to now do to protect this person from my bad actions in the future? Especially if your spouse or somebody that you know, they don't really accept your apologies very well. This oftentimes is a missing piece that people then don't want to accept your apology because there has not been some level of commitment to change. I'm sorry I did that. That was bad. Please forgive me. But then they don't really feel reassured because what's stopping you from doing the same thing over again? But if you make this commitment and you have a plan, here's what I'm going to do to protect you from the same hurt in the future, then that oftentimes helps the other person to feel much better about the interaction because I just don't have to trust that they're going to try to do better in the future. It's, oh, they've shown me that they've taken time and consideration into what they can do better in the future so that they won't hurt me in the same way. I think this is a lot of times a holdup in couples counseling. Somebody maybe in front of us as therapists, they will, you know, commit to change or say I'm working on that. And the other person is just kind of stoic about it and their apology means nothing. And a lot of times clients are saying, well, it gets better for a little bit and then it just goes back to the same old thing. Or they'll change for a little bit and then I know I'm just going to wait for it to happen again. 
And so when we continue to repeat that behavior and it becomes something that's kind of this chronic behavior, that apology oftentimes does lose its meaning. And the person that you're apologizing to has a hard time trusting or believing you anymore. And so it really is important to have this commitment to change and really focus on not repeating the behavior. Number nine is appropriate timing and setting. And so choosing the right time and the setting for the apology really can help make it more effective. And there's different settings, you know, whether it's a public apology or private apology, I think it can depend on the situation. But it's almost always good to first do that private apology. And maybe if you hurt them in front of people, you want to make sure that you go back and you correct things. But sometimes those public apologies can come off as being more about damage control or kind of protecting your own reputation than really about the person who you wronged and their feelings. So that private personal apology in a very respectful and sincere and genuine and caring way is almost always the way to go. And then if need be, you make things right in front of other people as well. What this might look like within your family is maybe I said something disrespectful to Tim in front of the family or in front of the kids. It's important for me to go to him privately and talk about it and apologize to him for that and make things right with just him. But it's also so beneficial and I think not used enough to then come back as a couple and in front of your kids say, hey, you know, when I said this, that was really disrespectful and that wasn't okay for me to say to dad. And so I've already talked to him and I've apologized to him, but I want to make sure that you guys know that that wasn't okay. And then maybe I turn to him and I, you know, apologize again and just say, you know, Tim, I'm really sorry that I said that. That's a great example of that private apology alongside a public apology. I think, too, the person's state of mind is really important to understand if it's the appropriate time or not to apologize. So if you've just done something and the person is currently fuming, the probability that the apology is going to go well is low. Now, I will say that it's not necessarily terrible to apologize when they're fuming, but I do think that you would just view this as an initial apology, but that there would be more of a full run-through of an apology than after that. Hey, I'm so sorry, you're upset, I didn't mean to, and then just kind of leave it at that. Then after they calm down a little bit, re-engaging into this conversation. Hey, I told you I was sorry early, but I really want to re-emphasize, I'm very sorry I did this and that was wrong of me. Hey, in the future, I'm going to do this and this and this to make sure I don't hurt you again. I know you might not be ready for it, but I would really appreciate it if you could find it in your heart to forgive me for that offense. But I know that you might need some time to think about it or some time to heal from what I've done. And if you run through it kind of like that, that would be the second foray where you go into it and it's a more full-throated apology where you're going through all these steps. But if in the moment they're really upset in that moment, you start trying to go through all this and you just view it as like, oh, I just need to get through this framework, you're more likely to get yourself into a worse position. Just a, I would say if they're really upset, do just kind of a brief apology. And then after they've had some time to calm down, then go into it and try to get into it in more detail. And then it will likely be received much better than after that. And then number 10 is follow through. And obviously, if we have made a commitment that we're going to make some changes in order to protect them, just saying that isn't super helpful. It can be helpful to somebody in the moment for their emotions to be calmed down. But then if you really want it to have a significant impact, 
You then have to follow through on those things you committed that you're going to be working on or the boundaries or the rules you're going to follow in order to protect the other person from being harmed in that way. And again, if you do that, these are the elements that when they come together, they really help for an apology to have some punch to it and for it to be more likely that the other person is going to be positively affected by that apology, to be able to reconnect with somebody that may have been distanced from you by some of the actions that you may have taken. It doesn't necessarily mean that that relationship has been completely broken by your action, but any type of unpleasant interaction is causing a little bit of a rift and a little bit of a distance. And this apology is just trying to bridge that gap to try to bring you back into a positive, healthy relation with this other person. So just to recap on what we talked about today, on what makes an effective apology, number one is to acknowledge the wrongdoing. Number two is the sincerity that you portray. Three is to understand the impact. Four, expression of regret and remorse. Five, to have no excuses or defensiveness. Six, to offer to make amends. Seven, asking for forgiveness. Eight, commitment to change. Nine, appropriate timing and setting. And ten, follow through. So an effective apology, it's not just about the words that we use, but it's about the attitudes and the actions that kind of come alongside those words. So it involves taking responsibility, showing genuine remorse, and making a commitment to change, helping to rebuild trust and mend that relationship, to bring that relationship back together, and maybe even stronger. All right, you guys, we're going to continue this mini-series on apology in the next episode, so make sure you tune into that one as well. Have a great day, and remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.